a reading from that source book. Amen. <laughs> and you were dead in your trespasses. That's right. And in the uncircumcision of your flesh. That's right. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Right. He disarmed the rulers and powers and authorities. And he made a public spectacle of he them. Did. Amen. And he triumphed Amen. over them yes. in Christ yes. at the cross. Yes. Well, the Lord would say to you, you, yes, you, are pitiful debtors in debt beyond your wildest ability to pay. You couldn't pay your debt off in 10 lifetimes. You're in sin, steeped in sin, a slave to sin, held in sin's power, without hope, without God. You're poor in sin, but I am rich in mercy. That's right. Thank for you, while you were sinners, I died for you. Thank you. Understand that I, the Lord your God, drove a nail right through that infinite debt that you owed. The debt is paid. Thank you. The power of sin has been broken. Thank you. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from that law Thank of you, sin Jesus. and death. Thank you. For the Son has set you free, and you are truly free indeed. The question remains this day. What will you do with that freedom? That's right. What will you do? For blind Bartimaeus leaped and praised when he was touched with my infinite mercy and love. The Samaritan leper came back and gave me thanks and leaped before me with great praise. The early church evangelized and told others of this great mercy and love. What will you do? What will you do, says the Lord. Good to see you all today. The Lord is good, isn't he? I am uh, I'm really, really excited to open the Word of God with you. It is such a refreshing blessing to know who we are in Jesus and what He's done and the gospel applied to us. Mike, thank you for that great word. It's resonating in me right now. What will we do? What will you do? What will I do? What will we do? God has been so good. He's so gracious to us. It's an important question. It's a question we all have to answer, and we answer it together. Praise God. He's good. He hasn't left us alone. Uh, years ago, I went to uh, visit friends. I, I went to Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And um, we I had a bunch of great friends up there. One of my roommates is from that area. His name was Tim. And Tim's a, a wonderful dude. He's a great guy. He's got a beautiful wife, Lindsay, and wonderful little kids. And so one year, I had the opportunity to go up and visit our friends. We have a church in, in Grand Rapids, a couple, actually, that we work with. Uh, the church, particular church is called Kingsway with the Finkbeiner family. I'm sure you'll meet them at some point as we start traveling again. Hopefully, praise the Lord. And so uh, I went up to go visit Kingsway and to do a little conference with Gary Finkbeiner, who is leading that church there and, and leading the things happening. 
And uh, I was preaching in the church, and it was great. And I had a day or two kind of off in which I could go visit some of my buddies that I had gone to school with. And so I called my roommate, Tim, from college, and I said, Tim, let's get together. I'm, I'm in town. It's going to be great. I haven't seen you in a long time. And he said, just so happens we're going to my in-law's cabin. They have a little cabin on a lake. So it's not, it's not big like Branson, but think like Incline Village or Innsbruck kind of thing. Not super ritzy, though, more just a little cabin, you know, with a lake. And so, yeah, it was really nice. So we went up to this lake, and we found it, and it was far away, and it was great, though. We drove, and children did awesome in the car. Praise the Lord. They didn't, but that's okay. So we got there, and we uh, saw the cabin. It was wonderful, and we're getting the grand tour. And part of the tour, my friend Tim says, let's take out the boat. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. Now, this is Michigan. This is not Missouri. It's... You know, it was it's still kind of cool in Michigan. You know, they think that 50 degrees is like warm. So, uh, so down here in the south, you know, it's a little different. Or in the middle, I guess. Anyway, so we get the boat out. We walk out on the stock, and he's, you know, uncovers the boat, and he cranks the boat down, and it's coming down into the water. And it's just a little kind of family ski boat thing. And he's super excited about it. And goes to get the key, and we all climb into the boat. Have you ever, like, boarded a boat? You gotta be careful with that, that can be dangerous. So we do that with little kids, get them all settled, we've got everybody set, we got the life jackets on, we've gone through this whole process, and he starts up the boat. And we're like, whoa, this is, this is gonna be great. And we go out on the water and he's driving us around and he's telling us a little history of the area and we're having an awesome time and it was super fun. And we came out and we did this big circle and we came back to the dock. And I was like, Tim, Tim what are we doing? He's like, yeah, tour, that was, that was good, let's go do something else. I was like, Tim, we, we cranked, we did, with life jackets and we boarded it. It took us 50 minutes to get on the boat. We've been on the boat seven minutes. Like, let's go drive around some more. And he's like, no, no, it's my in-laws boat. So we're just gonna, we're, and I don't wanna drive it too much. We're just gonna park it, we're gonna bring it up. Okay, so we, you know, unboard the boat, life jackets off and, and it was great. We had a great time, it was a blast. It was really a blessing and Tim, if he's watching this, we were overjoyed and it was wonderful. But it was really short. And it was funny to just jump on the boat and like do a circle and we're done. And I remember, think, think to yourself, have you ever been on a boat and just had a great time? Maybe you went skiing or maybe you did tubing or maybe you did fishing or whatever, but maybe you just rode on the boat and it was just really nice. Just picture that for a second. Close your eyes. Just remember, just, the, the, you know, just being on the water. There's nothing like it, right? It's a great time. Open your Bible with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth, honestly, is all over the place. Their theology is all over the place. Their teachings all over the place. They have uh, some great things that are happening, really good. Other things that are happening where people are challenging them and some people have gone astray. And they're just kind of in flux as they're figuring things out. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is telling the church about all of the statutes of what they need to do. And so he's writing to especially the leaders, but to the whole church, telling them what orderly worship should look like and how things should happen. And then in chapter 15, he starts talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the great hope that we have. And so we're going to read together in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 50. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 50. Here's what it says. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. 
Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, O death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your, na- your labor is not in vain. Praise God for his word. Your labor is not in vain. This is a great hope that we have. You know, the hope of the Christian life is not just being freed from sin. The hope of the Christian life is resurrection, is life. Jesus came not just to save us from sin, but to give us a life and life abundantly. The hope of the Christian walk is not just drudging out, trying to do the right thing every day, but instead is actually living in the life that Christ has given us. This is why classically Christians always are talking about relationship with Jesus. It's not just about, do you know who he is? You know, I have a relationship with my postman. I wave at him and he waves at me and puts the mail in and goes. I have no idea what his name is, but we have a relationship, a waving relationship. A lot of people think that's what Christianity is like. Jesus saves us, and you are cleared of sin, you're cleared of guilt, and then you sort of wave at each other while you try to uphold all the law and do everything right, and you sort of drudge out this life until someday you die and go to heaven. That's not the truth and the hope of the gospel. The truth and the hope of the gospel is resurrection life. As Jesus rose, so shall we rise. As he rose and lives now, so his life comes into us, and we live because of the life he has. And suddenly everything is different, and, and, and life is not just about relationship of waving at God. Life is about relationship knowing that the king of life has indwelled us by his Holy Spirit. He's changed us. He's made us into something new. And then when we hear about what will we do by this great salvation, springing to life in us is the Holy Spirit saying, we're going to do great things. Instead of the drudgery of, I don't know, I, I can't do it. I'm not just talking about doubts, by the way. Sometimes we struggle. I don't know sometimes. Sometimes you wake up in the morning, you're like, Lord, what will today hold? I don't know. I'm not talking about those kind of questions. I'm talking about this relationship with Jesus, the King of life, that springs up in us a desire to serve him out of gratitude for all he's done that changes us. And then we walk outside. Have you ever gotten up in the morning? I'm using boats today as an illustration, but I'm already getting off that. That's not good. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and you just look outside and you're like, man, it's just a good day. It can be dreary, rainy. You just feel like, I'm glad to be alive today. Isn't that a good feeling? That's that's the Christian walk. It's life. It's seeing all that God is doing and walking with him and participating with him and having relationship where everywhere you go, everything you do, you know he's with you and and you're with him and you're you're doing great things for him and he's speaking to you and he's ruling the earth and and he's with us and he's, he's, he's in charge of everything and just our lives make different sense than they did before we knew him. It's good to be with Jesus. The hope that we have is resurrection hope. You know, this became real to me the first time I sat as a pastor with somebody whose marriage was just utterly falling apart. And there was sin, and it was, 
bad and it was the worst thing that possible and the questions and the hurt and the, the just awful treason of things that were happening and sin that was taking place in this marriage. And so I'm sitting with this couple and they're begging forgiveness of each other and all these kind of things. And they're looking at me saying, how can we know that God will help us? We don't want to lose this marriage. It's broken. It's, our, it's dead. And suddenly I remembered this passage. And I said, if Jesus Christ can rise from the dead, if God the Father resurrected Jesus after he took the punishment of our sin, then he can bring anything back to life. Amen. And, and it's hope starts to build then. Because if Jesus Christ is alive, not dead on a cross, not buried on a tomb, He's alive, seated on a throne, ruling and reigning. He is the guarantee of our hope. And because He lives, because He speaks, because He sends people, because He uses us, because He sent the Holy Spirit, everything in life is different. And it's so good. It's so good. As we're reading this passage, the one thing I want to talk to you today is this. I want to just remind you that Jesus Christ is alive and the life we live in Him now is rich, it's exciting, it's good, it's not bearing down on us, it's life in us. And sometimes we can get so caught up in the new cycle or the bills or the things or the whatever, you know, just getting to church sometimes. It's like, go, it's like loading that boat, life jackets and Man, you got all this stuff and you go and the day is so busy and you just get so wrapped up in all the things of life that suddenly that relationship feels like you're just waving at each other. And I want to tell you today, the resurrected King Jesus is alive. He is seated on the throne. He has sent his Holy Spirit into you and it means that you are alive if you believe in him. Let's embrace his life together. How do we do that? What does that look like? Today we're going to be talking about this great passage. You know, we're waiting. We're waiting for this mystery that we will be resurrected with him. Now, here's the reality of life. There are bad times, aren't there? There's difficulty, there's hardship, there's all those kind of things. Does this say that we won't experience that? It does not. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. When is this taking place? It's at the trumpet call when Christ returns. People are given a new body to be like him. A lot of Christians think that our hope is just sort of flittering around with a harp and we're going to just be spirits forever. You know, God designed you to be in a body and that bodies are good. But this body's fallen, it's corrupted. And so you'll receive a newer, better model. You don't even need Frank Lita's 10, 10 cent down payment. Just a dime. You don't even need that because Jesus Christ is the guarantee. He's the down payment. As he lives now, we live. And so we're going to be given a real body. That's exciting. You know what it makes me do? It makes me care about what I do on this earth. Because we'll be given a real body here, not just flittering around. And so it matters then what we do on the earth. It matters how we interact with people. It matters how we take care of things. It matters how we steward what God has given us. Because we have a hope that's within us that's full of life that's, that has meaning even now. Even though we're waiting, and it doesn't mean that bad things won't come, even though we're waiting for that trumpet call for it all to become a reality. This perishable body must put on the imperishable. How good is that? An imperishable body. 
That's good news, isn't it? You know, I'm, I'll be 40 the next year, I think. I can't even remember. Isn't that funny how that works? And uh, I remember when I turned 30, I was like, whoa, I'm not 20 anymore. Have you ever pulled an all-nighter? It's like the worst thing that can ever happen to you now. After I was 25, I used to pull all-nighters a lot. I remember one time being the patrol supervisor working law enforcement in my police car. I worked an 18-hour shift, and I remember catching a catnap on an abandoned bridge at Fort Polk, Louisiana, in my squad car, and waking up 45 minutes later to a whole battalion of guys running past me looking at me and knocking on the door like, hey, what you doing, sir? And I woke up, and I remember like, woo! I hit the little lights, you know, and I just drove on through. And I had 45 minutes sleep for like three days. I just remember going and going and going until you just fall asleep. And that was like the joke, sleep where you fall. That was the joke. Nowadays, man, I'm up past like, I mean, it hits one in the morning, it's, the next day is shot. It's like, it's not good. The perishable though, we feel it, don't we? You feel it in your knees. We're gonna put on imperishable. The mortal's gonna put on immortality to be with him forever at the trumpet call. Why? So you can worship forever. Forever. How awesome is that? This is good news. This is hope that we have. That it's not going to be like that forever. It's not going to be pain in the knees forever. It's going to be life forever. But Paul goes on. In verse 56, he says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. My dad has a famous story. You've probably heard it because we've used it a lot because it's so great. It was the worst thing ever, but it was so great. We went uh, whitewater rafting in Colorado. So we're whitewater rafting. And from my perspective, because I know many of you have heard this story before, uh, we're on the river. We're going. We're paddling. It was way more work than we thought. Have you ever been whitewater rafting? You got to, like, shove your foot down in the side of the boat. All I remember is how my foot was numb and hurt so bad. It just hurt so bad. And, I'm, you know, you've got to, it's a lot of work. So you're rowing and going and listening to the commands. Well, of course, uh, we hit a rock. So we hit this rock, and the boat kind of bounces like this, and my dad just, boom, gone. <laughs> Hits the water, and the last thing I remember as a 12-year-old, or whatever I was, is my mom clutching my sister in the middle of the boat so she doesn't fall in. My brother's like lost his oar, who knows. I'm just sitting there rem remembering how much my foot hurt, and my dad is in the water and suddenly pops up, and I remember him reaching out, going, help me, help me, help me, Woof, gone. He just zoomed down the river. He was gone. And, and then it was quiet. That's a terrible feeling. It was quiet. I, you know, have you ever seen your parents panic? That was the first time I ever seen my dad, like, actually panic. Help me, help me, help me, zoom, gone. And so I look at my mom. My mom's got my sister. She's like, it's over. Let's go to the car. We'll find him down the river. I don't know. And, I, so we, and here's the lady. Quick, we got to row. Our little guide, she was like 110-pound little girl. She was wonderful. But she, like, my dad's a big guy. I, at 12 years old, I was 400 pounds. I don't know. She was not going to save us. And so she goes, we got to row. We got to get him. And we start going down the river. And praise God, we found him. She got him, and the boat was a miracle. It was a miracle. And then we had to go the rest of the thing. That was awful. But it was, man, made for great stories, though, doesn't it? But here he is. Help me, help me. Shh, gone. You know, a lot of times in life, 
we feel like we're okay because we feel like we're in a boat. Going down life's river, everything's okay. You do you, I'll do me. Everything's fine. Everybody stay in your lane. It's good to go. Then you hit something in life and suddenly you fall in the river and you realize the power of the river far exceeds what you can do. Far exceeds. And you thought, life jacket, I'm good. I help people. I'm nice. I don't cut people off in traffic. I don't use curse words unless I really have to. <laughs> I only cheat a little bit on my taxes, but everybody does. Um, I'm not addicted to anything, so I'm better than most people. I mean, if we look at the reality of how people are, they're like here, I'm definitely here. Because like, I don't beat my kids. You know, but we laugh, but this is how we measure ourselves, isn't it? I'm better than that guy, so I'm good. I mean, he's, def he's like D plus. I gotta be, I mean, on a curve, I'm definitely a B. So I'm good. That's how we measure life. Then we find ourselves before God and the power of sin in our life is drowning us. Really, Mike read it this morning, dead in our trespasses, we're already drowned. We can't even eke out help me. And we're looking up at him and the current is so strong, there's nothing we can do. And we, help me, help me, that's all we got. And the Lord in his mercy reaches down to the wretched and pulls us out. The power of death is sin. Why does death exist? Because we sinned, we rebelled. And our world is trying so hard to say, just don't worry about it, you're in a boat, you're fine. Don't hurt anybody, you're okay, you do you. Um, I'm not trying to make a political statement with this, but look at uh, drug stuff now. Drug laws around the country, the underlying idea is you can do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt other people until you're under the influence and do something crazy and somebody really gets hurt. But it's like it's in our culture of just it's fine. Look at you know we have look at marriage in the United States. If you're not happy, get out. It's all about you. It's your happiness as long as you're in the boat. You won't hurt anybody. Okay, you got three kids. They'll be fine. Not going to be fine. It's not fine. And suddenly we realize in the weight of sin, we need Jesus. The power of death is sin. But thanks be to God, verse 57, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How? Because He paid the penalty. Because He hung on the cross for us. Because He took the punishment of all that sin. We didn't, stuff we didn't even realize until we were in the water. Things that we thought we were doing great. And then suddenly we realize when we look at a holy God and see that His power is like the whole earth compared to that river. Sin, it was overwhelming us. But Him, He's so great. He's so big. There's no way I can compare to Him. And yet out of His mercy and might, He reaches down and pulls us up. And the victory we have is not because we were good enough. It's because His work was good enough. It's because He paid the price. It's because He lives. If He had just died... And that was the end of the story, we're dead. But he died and rose. His life, the resurrection, is our life. And now we say, Lord, I believe in you. I believe in your resurrection. And suddenly the Holy Spirit floods in us, cleanses us, makes us a new creation, and victory floods over us. 
Now no longer like that river of sin, but instead a river of life flowing from the throne and those like Christians like those planted by, by that stream of just soaking up the water and you become an oak of righteousness and God has just changed you. And the whole tone of our existence is no longer drowned in the river, but now is flowing in the life of God. What a great king that we serve. What a great and wonderful hope that we have. I remember uh, I used to go tubing with Mike Hayden. Have you ever been tubing with Mike Hayden? You need a life insurance policy. You need one. We'd go out on his bass boat and have just the best time. And it was Mike's goal in life to make us fall off. And, and it was the best. It was the best time. We had the best time. Kids tubing. Hilarious. I remember being out one particular time and we're tubing after a family camp, a uh, church conference that we did in Lake of the Ozarks or somewhere. And we're on the water or in the bass boat and I'm on the tube. And we're going along, and Mike did this, you know, if you kind of turn one way, the tube goes out on the side of the way. If you turn real sharp the other way, man, you can whip that thing fast, super fast. So I was on the edge of that whip going about 900 miles an hour. I'm pretty sure. Technically, maybe a little different than that, but close. And I remember coming over the waves and just, I can feel my feet like sliding on the water, and I'm just going, and, I'm, and I was holding on so tight, there was nothing that was going to take me off of that tube. Nothing. Not because, oh, this is so fun and I want to keep doing it, but because I was scared that I was going to die if I fell in the water. And I was holding on. I remember at one point the tube started like lifting up and I was kind of going upside down and I drug my feet into the water and came back down. I was not coming off that thing because I wanted to live. That's why. And I, could, I caught a glimpse to the boat. You know, the boat's like next to me at this point. As I, and I'm like, hey, and they're all waving and laughing. And I saw Mike and he's like, I got your number. So then I am just sliding across. The tube suddenly is gone. I hit a wave or something. Tube is I don't know where. And I remember just sliding through the water. And so I finish, and I, I remember I got, I popped up, and my arms are still like this. In my life, ah, what happened? Where am I? You know, that's the worst, especially Lake of the Ozarks. It's terrifying. What's in there? What lives in that lake? You can't see anything, and all you hear is boat sounds. If you go under the water, it's not, Loch Ness is in there, I'm telling you. The monster. I, something is going to, and they're going to get your feet, so you just kick, like just in case, right? Just in case. I was holding on so, so tight. Here's what Paul says. We have victory in Christ. Therefore, in verse 58, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. Be steadfast. You know, being steadfast is a personal characteristic. Be steadfast. Walk consistently. Walk consistently. Be steadfast. I was holding on for dear life. That's what it's like to be steadfast. Sometimes you feel like you're being whipped around, you're on the tube, but you just hold on as tight as you can. Steadfast, you holding on to Jesus. I fell off, and it was terrifying. Terrifying, because the monster was going to get my feet. But I looked up, and as I looked up, I remembered that I knew the captain. Because my Uncle Mike... He got me off for a second, but he was coming back around to get me. He was, and I saw the boat coming right away. Big smile. I knew the captain. Sometimes in life, you're going to find yourself, as you're holding on to Jesus, you feel like you're all over the place. The great truth of it is he's holding on to you. And not only that, there are times in life when you feel like you are bobbing in the water and you're kicking because you don't know what's going to get your feet. You know the captain. 
you know the captain of the boat. He's not going to leave you. You're not abandoned. He's with you. If you just look over, you'd see he's already grabbing hold of you, like a little kid trying to learn how to swim. They're so foreign, they don't know what to do, but there's a dad or a mom holding on to them. How much more will our Heavenly Father, through Christ Jesus, who's given us victory in life because of his resurrection, hold on to us? We need to be steadfast because of the hope that we have. Paul goes on to say, be immovable. Immovable. What a great word that is. Immovable. Did you, did you know that the whole world is on a mission to make you move? It's all they want you to do. Just slide away from the truth. And the pressure and the current of it is so strong that we'll use any means necessary to move you from the truth that you know through the Bible. Is Jesus really the way, the truth, and the life? Surely there's other ways. I mean, you're just evolved to be an animal, so give in to your urges. It doesn't matter. You're not an image of God. That's ridiculous. You know what? We're going to teach your kids. We'll teach them. Don't worry about it. We're going to start sex ed in second grade. This is happening. Because we're evolved animals. Second grade. We've got to make sure they know and understand because we want to be ready. We want to help them. We're going to help them. And the pressure and the current is upon us every day. What you watch. Look at any advertisement. What is that advertisement about? It's about selfishness. Any advertisement. Give in to your base desires. Give in. Don't worry about it. You do you. I saw yesterday uh, leaflets all over the place for uh, crazy apps. Driving, driving downtown St. Charles. Crazy apps that you can get on your phone that are just licentiousness. You can find anything online. It's not good, most of it. The wave of the current of stuff is just gross. But Paul says, be immovable. What should we be immovable in? Be immovable in the hope we have in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. As he lives, we will live. Be immovable in your understanding that sin is sin and that God hates it and that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for us. But it doesn't mean that it's just okay. Be immovable that the gospel is the only way to salvation. Don't be ashamed of it. It is life for us. It's the power of God unto salvation. But more and more and more, you shouldn't say anything. You shouldn't post about anything. Don't, don't ruffle any feathers with your friends. Don't quote the scripture. They'll laugh at you. That's old and dated and silly. You still adhere to things like, like morals? Morals are whatever you think they are now. And that immovable idea is they're not. They belong to God because they're his character. We have to stand firm. My brother one time, we took, uh, my dad had a little wave runner. It was like motorcycle things that you drive on the water. And it was super cool and it was like the one big, I mean, this was our thing that we got, you know. And so... Uh, we took it to a lake one time, and we had some friends in town, and so my brother and I drove down the lake, and we put it in the water, and we're having a great time. And at the end of the day, my brother is going to park the boat back into the trailer so we can take it home, the little the wave runner. And so he gets ready and lined up, and I've got the trailer backed up into the, the ramp to load the boat. A couple of you know what we're talking about. And so we're getting ready to go, get on. And I'm outside now of the car. And I'm like, all right, Dave, I watch you. You're coming straight in. You're looking great. And he's coming in. And he's coming in. And the current was really strong. 
at this little part of the, the water because there are a lot of people out. And so he's coming straight to get on the ramp. And as he's coming, the current's moving him this way. And there was a concrete pylon on either side of the ramp from where, how they had built it. And so before he could react, because you know, you don't just, there's no brakes. Can't break. You gotta put it in reverse and try to move. And you know, so he puts it in reverse because he realizes he's missing the boat. He's missing the, the trailer to take the boat out of the water. And instead he's heading straight for one of these concrete things that's under the water. So he can see it, it's about a foot, not quite a foot down, a couple inches down, and it's there, but he can't stop. And so next thing you know, he's driving up on the side of it. And he's just, I mean, turns white, because this is this is our this is this is the boat. This is my dad's boat, like the little, you know, wave runner. So he takes another run, and we kind of, I jumped in the water to help him, and he's like, oh, Stephen, I got the boat, I hit the boat, I hit the, I hit the, con is it con it's concrete, I hit the concrete. And I was like, dude, it's going to be okay. Let's get the boat up. So we put it, like, by hand, push it up on the trailer, and we get the ratchet thing, and we get it up and take it out of the water. Sure enough, there's a gash where some of the fiberglass from the side of the, the boat is just scraped off. So we uh, go home, and our friends are in town, and we take them to dinner, and we were at Outback Steakhouse sitting there, getting ready to pray for the meal. My brother is sweating, <laughs> literally sweating. My parents are there, our friends, big meal, we're having a great time. And my dad says, David, are you okay? And he goes, Dad, I have, to, I have to confess something. He said, what is it? I, I, hit the, I hit the concrete pylon, I scraped the boat. I scraped the boat. And my dad starts laughing. He was like, what? He goes, I, told, I hit the boat, I, I hit the boat. It's just fiberglass pieces, that are, it's everywhere. I hit the boat. And my dad's laughing, he goes, son, you're sweating about a boat? He goes, I thought, I don't know what was going on with you. I thought you were sick. I was like, should we go to the hospital? What, are you okay? And it was so funny, because our friend who's with us, he's like, I need to confess. And we're like, what? He's like, I don't, I just feel like I should confess something. <laughs> and so he started, he's like, I did this in fourth grade. I'm sorry, forgive me, I don't know. And just the mood of it was so tense. And my dad, you're forgiving. Let's eat together. You know, sometimes we feel like, man, God's just waiting for this judgment on us. He put the judgment on Jesus. He put it on Jesus. But we're called to be immovable. You're not trying to park the boat. The reality is that the Lord Jesus has already brought you up. He put you into Christ. So you never have to try to park the boat. You're in him. There's no scrape you're going to get because you're in him and he's victorious and his life is your life. And so now as we stand in him, oh, it's just resurrection all the time. Why do we feel like we need to try to park the boat? And why is it sometimes that we're sitting, going through life and that things are going well and we're, we're walking with God and things feel good and then all of a sudden we don't pay attention to the current that's against us? And we find ourselves moving toward a pylon all the time. The truth is, stop trying to put the boat in reverse. Instead, just cling to Jesus because you're in him. He's the answer. His resurrection is the answer. If you try to avoid getting scraped by your own power, you're going to fail. If you hold on to him in his power, you will find victory because he's victorious. Be immovable doesn't mean you have to go home and flog yourself and, hurt and try, to, try to confess everything. You should confess your sins, don't get me wrong. But it doesn't mean that you should go home and try to beat yourself up and sit down and, and do nothing. It means that you do actively hold on to Jesus Christ. 
and come to the Word of God and say, Lord, I believe in you. I come back to your Word. I trust you. I quickly confess sin because I don't want that junk to have anything in between us. Lord, I live in your life, and I know that your gospel is enough for salvation. And then I want to know you. And so as you come to Scripture, it's not just, Lord, show me what I need to know to live today. It's, Lord, reveal yourself to me afresh that I might know you and see you and walk with you, that every day I know your presence with me. My aunt growing up in school, she used to get in trouble because she would sit funny in her, in her desk. And so she had, you know, those little school desks, it's like the chair built into the desk. She would sit on the side really weird. And so she'd always get in trouble every day as she was growing up. And so the teacher pulled her in one time and she said, why, are you, why do you keep doing this? I've disciplined you. This is back in the day when you get the switch. Right? I've disciplined you. Why do you keep doing this? She said, I have to leave room for Jesus so he can sit with me. But you know, it's, it's cute, isn't it? Do we go through life thinking about making room for Jesus? Does he ride in the car with you? Does he go to work with you? Does he lead you as you come here? Does he speak to you everywhere you go? Does he call you to do great things for his kingdom? Has he united you with Christ in victory? Has he given you life? Yes, he has. But we need to open our minds to say, I will be immovable in my conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord and what the word says, but I'm also immovable because I'm in him and he cannot be moved. Instead of trying to do it ourselves, make room for Jesus. Make room for him in your time, in your car, in your walk, in your job. Paul goes on lastly to say that we should abound in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. I was, uh, I once, after one of those family camps, I had the time, we got the boat, little boat repaired, the little Wave Runner motorcycle thing. And my friend Tim and I went out, we were on Kentucky Lake over there by Paris Landing. And Kentucky Lake's interesting because there's big rivers there and stuff and there's a barge. So we're on this little water motorcycle thing and we're driving and one of the barges is there and it's going past. And we're having just a great time. I'm driving, he's on the back. It's like one of those three person ones. The thing was, I don't know, it was huge. It had like 155 horsepower. It was pretty, it was fast. It would go like 68 miles an hour. So we're like, let's go to that barge, but it's got big waves. So we drove over this barge and sure enough, behind it, fully loaded, it was you know, weighed down in the water. So the waves coming out the back of this barge were big. I'm talking like four or five feet, big waves. So we're having a great time. We're kind of jumping the waves. And uh, he goes, let's, let's really hit one, man. I was like, yeah. So we came up too close to the barge where the waves were biggest because we wanted to, you know, we're going to hit one. And we were going fast. And I hit that wave. I remember driving. I hit that wave and came up and I'm like, this is awesome, which was quickly replaced with we're in trouble because I jumped a whole wave. And coming down, I was coming down into the trough between two waves. And all I remember is Tim on the back like, yeah! And then me seeing the water and going, no! And then just being underwater. The water, oh, it, just, it just was, it hit us like a wall and then the wave went over us. So we were like eight feet down at that point maybe. And I popped up in the water first, totally disoriented. Barge is right next to us. Just, I didn't know what was going on. Looking around and there's nothing. I'm in the big waves and there's no, no Tim, no boat, Nothing. And all of a sudden, poof, here comes Tim next to me. And he goes, Steve, like, I can't see, I can't see, I can't see. I was like, dude, are you okay? And I'm grabbing for him and he's grabbing for me. 
I'm like, what? What happened? I said, I don't know. And he looks at me and he looks around and goes, where's the boat? There's no boat. It was scary. No boat. We're looking around. We are out in the middle with a barge. And we got to swim back and tell my dad. I sunk his boat. <laughs> this is not going to go well. I'm sweating at this point. And all of a sudden, right under us, this thing just whoop, comes out of the water. Upside down, here comes the wave runner. Just emerged out of nowhere. And we flipped that thing over, terrified that hopefully it will start. And it didn't start. And the second time it started. And we were like, thank you, Jesus. And then we rode those waves the rest of the day. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. I tell you this story because of this. Sometimes in life, you feel like things are great. Jumping waves, it's awesome. Things are great. Sometimes in life, you get hit by a wall of water. Sometimes in life, you pop up and you feel like there's no hope. And you're just bobbing there, kicking to make sure there's no fish getting your feet, and there's no boat to be found. Here's the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is, oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Because Jesus Christ has given us victory in himself. Because he lives, we live. He is our hope, our life, our everything. If you find yourself bobbing in the water, unsure of what's going to happen, you know the captain. Don't fear. If you find yourself capsized in the water, unsure, know that your victory is in Christ because he is victorious. If you find yourself exhausted and alone, unsure, waiting to see who else pops up around you, know for certain that our life is in Jesus Christ. His resurrection is enough. His victory is enough. How do you bring that into your life? Just cling to Jesus. This is what it looks like, really. Lord, I believe in you. I believe in your resurrection. I confess it with my mouth. Your resurrection is stronger than the river of sin that was drowning me. Lord, your resurrection is stronger than the feelings that I feel. Lord, your resurrection is bigger than the loneliness, than the bobbing, than the insecurities, because you are my victory, and I trust you. And trust him that he will bring you up to himself and suddenly you'll find yourself sitting safe in him, knowing that you can be steadfast to hold on to Jesus, immovable knowing the truth of the gospel, and doing good work for him because he enables us, and he is our king. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are a great king. Thank you for the resurrection, and thank you for life. We praise you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that you, because you defeated sin and because you live now, you have given us life. So, Lord, we rest in you. I pray for everyone here that they would know the peace, God, of walking with you, that they would know the life of your resurrection coursing through us because we believe in you. Lord, if there's anyone here who finds themselves still sitting in sin or, or being whisked down the river, not sure, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, rescue us. Demonstrate your resurrection life, I pray. Lord, help us convict our hearts that we would say Jesus Christ lives. He took the cross from me, but he rose again, and now I live in him. Lord, you are our life. Help us, Father, to do great things for you.
Lord, help us to answer that question, what will we do now, knowing that you, O oh God, have given us good work to do of discipleship, good work of evangelism, good work of, of faithfulness and steadfastness and immovable faith, knowing that you, O oh Lord, have made our labor not to be in vain. We praise you and thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Be blessed today in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May you know his peace. God bless you all. Have a great day. You're dismissed.